Welcome to the latest episode of the Love Sport Podcast. I'm Paul, your host. I'll be joined by John and Pete, and we'll be talking all things Euros, the AFL, anything else that takes our fans in this wonderful world of sport. This is the Love Sport Podcast. Happy birthday, mate. What's doing, boss? How are we? Oh, my God, it's your birthday. <laughs> Didn't even know. Wait till uh, John comes on. Here we go. Oh, the big man himself. Super G'day, Pete. Pete. And Good super to hear John. from you, mate. Oh, mate, how are we? How are we doing? Good, you're well. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty good, man. Having some fun, mate. It's what we do. I'm having a holiday where I'm not actually worrying about my house falling apart. That's <laughs> true. Mate, how's that going for you? Good for a change. It's nice. <laughs> now, um, I just need to let you know, Pete, what is your – I'm going to go old school, new school, or Simpsons. Simpsons, man, every day of the week. Pete, it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Peter. <laughs> oh, it's Pete's Super Pete's birthday, John. Is that on the podcast or are you just doing that? To oh, sort no, of it's, some kind it's of going in. Family? No, it's going in. It's his birthday. Right. It's staying in the pod. All right, beautiful. Well, then what about a bit of happy birthday, Day, dear Mr. Peter, <laughs> Mr. President? Amazing. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I like that. Righty, hey, boys. Uh, new school is um, happy birthday to you. Which is that's not, really not new school. That's even as that's older than that's just as old as Marilyn. Yeah, but it's still better than happy birthday to you. And this is a so. this is a sporting podcast, people. So if you want to vote on what's the best birthday song, let us know. This is the Love Sport Podcast, joined by John. Hello. He is probably doing something with a cat or a beer can or both. Mm-hmm. And, and our birthday boy, Super Pete Novikowski. Mate, it's been a long time, but we're back. We're back, baby. Woo-hoo. We're back on the air. How good. Right, yeah. I'll get you guys both into the uh, – I'm going to go first a question to John, then I'll go to one for you, Pete. It's a simple yes or no. You can give no explanation, okay? First one's okay. for you. First one's for you, John. Was Germany's quarterfinal jersey a good jersey? No. And uh, Pete, sauerkraut on sausages. Yes. There we go. Beautiful. Okay, so into the. We might start off with the Euros now. We've got uh, Pete on. Obviously, very busy with coaching and life. Um, the Croatia game, five three yesterday. Uh, Spain leading three one. It was a sensational game. Did you guys get to see that one at all? Yep. Yeah, it was magic. Like, how good was Gumby of the Year award going to Spain's goalkeeper for conceding, you know, what was it, 20th minute? Um, just magic moments, the fact that, you know, this European Championship so far, we've seen magical goals, we've seen memorable moments, we've seen heartbreaking moments, and then you see Gumby of the Year. Just brilliant, brilliant moments like that. It's moments like that that make make me think. Thank God there wasn't a lot of video stuff around when I was young because I I think I missed the goal from half a meter out one day, um, one on one on one with the goalpost. So I'm very happy for that. But uh, Croatia did themselves pretty proud, I thought, fighting back from three one in that game. 
Yeah, exactly right. And I, I think from a Croatian perspective, um, there's there's nothing that Luka Modric can't do at the moment. Uh, he is in sensational form and he really is the, the heartbeat of this team. Uh, as good as Kovacic was, um, it, it was it was literally all Luka Modric. Um, he's been such a great controller for this Croatian national team over the last few years. And you can see that he really does dictate the pace. Um, Croatia put in a great battle against Spain, but it just wasn't a B. Spain ended up doing the business uh, in extra time, and uh, there you go, they progress. And then, I think, think I, that's it. Oh, sorry. No, no I was going to say, I think if Modric is the heartbeat, I think uh, old mate Paris has been his Vina Kava, and he wasn't there uh, at the yeah. end. And, I, yeah. and he took with him what I think is one of the worst haircuts I've seen for a long, long time as well. Well, he went with my, um, you know, my nana from 1980 perm with the, with the the tight perm on top and the straight at the back through the championship. So, I felt sorry for him, but he deserved to get COVID because of that haircut. But he's a he was scoring goals and he's out, and I think that does make a difference to him. Oh, absolutely! And look, we had an absolute feast yesterday morning. We uh we see France leading comfortably at, at one stage. They were leading three one, but they weren't playing sensational football. Switzerland fought back. And uh, what did you think of that guy, uh, game, guys? Oh, mate, can we talk about the, the, the penalty shootout first and, and the tension? Yes, please. Just yep. magical, magical um, end to this game. Like, okay, generically we've seen so frequently the, the fact that penalty shootouts, uh, it's rumoured that there could be the removal of extra time and we just go to a penalty shootout to try and find a result in a game. But it, it, this fixture here between Switzerland and France, that proved why extra time is actually quite an enjoyable experience and, and why that extra 30 minutes shows the real grit, the determination. You can see it on the Swiss players um, during that extra 30 minutes of, you know, how much they were willing to put on the line to stay in the game. And then the fact that they were able to get the job done in a penalty shootout, um, sensational work from the, the Swiss goalkeeper as well, um, Somo, uh, who, like, after he made the save against um, Kylian Mbappe, he basically stood there for a sec, double-checking that they had actually won, and then went, oh, yeah, guys, yeah. we're good, we're good, we're good, and then started the celebration. But... Yeah, he was checking he hadn't come off the line. Um, yeah. And, and that, I mean, it's those kind of things that still are wrecking that spontaneity a little bit. But, yeah, he did. He had a good look around, looked at the uh, assistant referee. We're not allowed to call him that anymore. I'm not sure what you call him. Um, and then, look, we'll come to England in a moment, but... Uh, Sweden-Ukraine was actually a good game that I watched that, and that, that did go to extra time, and Ukraine um, really surprised me in this tournament. So there's a lot. I know there's going to be a lot of um, pieces written, but I do not agree with that send-off. Um, mm. I don't actually... I, I need somebody to explain to me how it is that you go for a ball and you get it um, and what you're supposed to do after that. I, I, I understand... I've heard all the stuff about oh, my God, he's put himself in a difficult position and, yeah. and all the rest of it. I'm like, oh, whatever. If he didn't touch the ball, off you go. But, you know, there was an incident a couple of minutes later. If you're talking about, uh, what do they call it, um, you know, um, what, what do they call it? What's that term they use at school all the time? About, you know, you've got responsibility to look after that other person. And oh, yeah. if they want to go down that track with football, like, 
there was an incident in the box like three minutes later when the um, Ukrainian guy went into the box. So the dude was falling and he collected him with his uh, shoulder and elbow. And I'll tell you what, in rugby league, rugby union, he would have been sent off. Yeah, and I care. don't actually understand that. that. That got nothing, but the kick got it. And I thought it totally – I watched the whole of that game because I was absolutely buzzing from what happened previously. And I'm telling you that the only reason Ukraine's in the uh, next round is because of that send-off. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, they they didn't take the uh, most of their opportunities. I thought Sweden had um, moments, great moments of ascendancy uh, in that game. And just that's why they're not, you know, the the better teams in the comp. Just didn't make the most of their opportunities. I'd be interested to see what Pete says. Well, I mean, Pete's so intimately connected with the game, but uh, to me, as a lover of, um, I want to sound like a twat here, but a more physical side of the sport, that you roll the dice if you go into a challenge and. I'm fine with dudes getting sent off, but I just didn't think that was a send-off for me. Yeah, I'll agree. I don't think it was a sending off. I think the it was incredibly tough with the follow-through. Um, I can see if you slow down the cameras and you zoom in, you can... You know, you can you can make anything once you um, you can make any opinion once you want to be so specific about things. But to be fair, if you think about it, in the heat of the moment, what was actually seeming like was being done, what the intent seemed to be um, to win a ball, to me that's a yellow card, not a red card situation at, at absolute most. Um, yeah, if he pulls out as a defender, if, if he's playing for you and and he pulls out as a defender on that challenge. And the dude bolts through and scores. Well, I'm having a and good He says, well, what if I put my foot up? I'm going to get sent off. It's like, you, you, you'd say, look, I'll tell you what, man. Jump in your car, don't ever come back because you're never playing for me again. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, the simple thing is you've got to put yourself between the ball and the goal. And mm. you've got to be able to stop uh, an attacking opportunity. And, you know, he's done that. Marcus Danielson has, has stopped the goal-scoring opportunity, but has unfortunately paid the price for it. It's upsetting, but, you know, in a in a slight positive, you know, it means that he doesn't miss any more Euros games with Sweden out. So, unfortunately, it just means that the next tournament or the next time that Sweden get together, he'll, he'll sit on the sidelines for the next few games. <laughs> That's about the most mildest possible comfort he could take from that That's scenario. It. Apart from that, uh, he, he's out, he's done. But, yeah, but, but out. you know... You know it's the nature of the game because defenders now make good tackles, right? And you hear the commentators say, oh, he rolled the dice on that one. And to me, I'm like, the game's, the game's not favouring anyone. If it's not VAR calling someone for their nose hair being offside as an attacker, it's the defender not being able to make a solid tackle, tackle with the follow-through. If it's a deliberate follow-through, which you can tell, if someone completely gets the ball, I mean... The, the attacking players are so good these days. They will drag yeah. their leg in the tackle. You know he what I mean? He the ball they'll... over halfway. Yeah, he thumped so... the ball over halfway. It's bullshit. Oh, sorry, well, I can't say that. Sorry. Anyway. Well, let's go back. Uh, let's go back a little bit further as well. Netherlands just showing their defensive frailties. Played nice football. Czech Republic beat them two nil, and um, and we always thought that was going to be the case with Netherlands that they they could they could be opened up at some stage in this tournament. Yeah, exactly right. And, uh, you know, Frank de Boer has paid the price. He's walked away from being the head coach of this Netherlands side. So I'm sure there'll be a number of Netherlands fans who will be happy to see the, the back of this horrifically defensive 5-3-2 formation that, to be fair, just hasn't really worked. Um, it's obvious that Netherlands 
want to play a free-flowing attacking style of football, but they lack that killer instinct up front. They've they've obviously got the likes of Memphis uh, Depay, who's a decent winger mm. come attacker, but he's not an out and out striker. Jenny uh, Wijnaldum's a fantastic central midfielder, likewise Frankie De Jong, but they lack that you know traditional Ruud van Nistelrooy type of a guy would, up top. Would you call them? Um, and you know, would you call them? And it's not a slight to be a B-grade player, but they're kind of B-grade. You wouldn't call them stars, but they're on that kind of B level. Like they're, they're going to be on the benches of the better teams and stuff like that as well. So it's not the Netherlands we're used to. Yeah, I, I guess the, the fact that one of the biggest talking points about this Netherlands team is how enjoyable it's been to be able to call the right back uh, by his full name, Denzel Dumfries. And, and the <laughs> fact that that's been so funny that, no one's really talking or giving the respect to this Netherlands side because yep. there's there's no one who stands out. Like Matthias De Ligt getting himself sent off for a deliberate handball on the edge of the penalty area, just incredibly stupid football from him. Yep. Um, Daly Blind has been incredibly average this tournament for me. Um, Jenny Wijnaldum is probably the only bright spark in this lineup, but that, that's about it. There's no... There's no real household names that you'd hang up and you'd be proud to have posters up on the wall of these guys going, yep, that's my next superstar. Yep, exactly right. So congratulations oh, like, to the Czech Republic too. So I'd, I'd like to have something to say here on Holland because I think um, one of the things I find very interesting with them in this tournament and all the tournaments they go to, they've usually got a real cult of personality around a coach. Mm. And Netherlands is one of those countries that prides itself on creating great coaches, not necessarily from the star player base. And, you know, the the World Cup in um, – they went with Bert van Marwijk where they actually got the semi-final and they didn't really have that many great players. Uh, the Dutch populace was doing that sort of thing that drives me nuts as a Newcastle fan where it's like, oh, I want us to – you know, I want us to win, but some fans are going, oh, we can't play like that. I'd rather win 1-0 than lose, mainly because – the sensation isn't what I've enjoyed that many times as a Newcastle fan. But I can really see that with the, you know, the Dutch, I, I, there was a lot of lead up about they only play 4-3-3 and they only play 4-3-3. And I'm like, you know, it obviously means so much to the Dutch, their formation, their setup. Um, and I think that that's really a thing that's going to be the altar they sacrifice their ultimate success on because this wasn't a very good team. But I think if a Bertman Marwick had been in charge, yeah. I reckon they would have gone a lot further. Well, that, that's a good segue to uh, a team very close to your heart, John. Uh, England 2-0. And we we said this last week in the podcast, and I, like, I, I made the point that who cares how you get there? It, it's getting through the knockout stages is important. The group stage, it's two wins and a draw. And, and everyone was bemoaning, not everyone, but a lot of people were bemoaning the way England have played. I thought they played... A really good game, really good tactical game. And Southgate, I think, made the right substitutions today against Germany. I can't imagine they're in the hills of Tuscany or down in Sicily or, you know, in the back blocks of uh, of, of Naples when they're doing a, some kind of a, you know, an illicit sort of, um, you know, uh, interaction between a couple of people that they sit back and go, geez, I can't believe the way that we played in 2000 and Six, you know, the way we set up beforehand in Italy. Do you think they ever exactly. do that? Do you think the Uruguigans no. ever go on, oh, 1934, you know, the, the, in, in, in the playout stage, it's a bit of crap. 
I just don't see it. I, I'm really pleased that England are more pragmatic. I think that amazing stats coming out around Gareth Southgate now. I mean, well, you know, this is a proper team. Last World Cup, they got to the semi-final. Um, they've knocked out Germany. They come through a pretty decent group as far as uh, the group stages went because um, they're still going, some of them, and none of the group of death are going. And um, they just beat Germany. And, and as a as a neutral, and I don't know, there's never a neutral when it comes to England. You're either with us or you're against us. I think that we are, you know, arguably one of the most hated sports countries on the planet. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I like to stick solid with them now. And I do believe that at the moment that they're standing on the on a precipice where they can win it. I, I cannot imagine a scenario in which Ukraine beat us. I'm being positive because I think that the manager and the people running it, including the assistant coach who's um, with Newcastle, I actually believe that they're going to set us up. I, I think we're going all the way. There you go. How's that? Well, I think um, I'd love to hear. I, I love it. Great, great little synopsis there. Pete, I'd love to hear your views on uh, on Jack Grealish because, you know, I'm going to be biased because I'm an Aston Villa fan. But it looked like Jack and if you look at the end of the game, it looked like Jack and Gareth Southgate were really, really happy. It looked like they'd spoken about what was going to happen. At uh, what he was rubbing his time. hair, wasn't he? It, it, it honestly looked like you couldn't fake that. It looked like they knew it. Jack knew what his role was going to be, and it, and it came off to perfection. So, Pete, just from a tactical point of view, you can let us know how that changed the game with Luke Shaw being able to push forward and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it seems incredibly obvious that Jack Grealish and Gareth Southgate have had plenty of meetings and one-on-one chats to be able to kind of dictate at what point Grealish will come in and make an impact. And it's fairly obvious that... Um, that Southgate basically had said to him, there will be a moment when you come on and you will be able to dictate the rest of the game. And and Mm. that's exactly what he did in this performance. And and there are certain players who have that ability that once they come off the bench or if they're starting a game for their club side and that kind of stuff, that once they come in, it's a whole different ball game. We saw that in the likes of the A-League when Thomas Broch was here at Brisbane Raw. We see that with the likes of Sydney SC with Milos Ninkovic. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that with plenty of players who their role is come in and not so much throw the plan out the door, but spice up a game. Yep. And that's exactly what Jack Grealish did. And I'll tell you, it's a, it's a magnificent sight looking at the way that, you know, this England side played football for about 60 odd minutes where it was, it was brave football. It was tenacious football. They were hunting, but there lacked to be that extra killer instinct. The split second that Grealish came on, he's super positive. As soon as he gets the ball, he wants to get forward. He's happy to play that free roaming, rotating role that, you know, he's happy to do some of the dirty running work to free up the space for someone else. And, and that is such a key mo- part of his game. And didn't Luke Shaw step into that? I mean, I was I had a big texturing going with a bunch of other people, including our own there, Fredo, um, and some other people where, you know, people couldn't get Luke Shaw off quick enough. And mm-hmm. um, he was magnificent back into that game. And, uh, and I, 
just yeah, you talk about space that he, he opens up. He's like a magnet for the ball and a magnet for fouls and a magnet for spice. He's just amazing. Um, but I, I really just... don't necessarily want him on there from the first minute to get kicked out of the match. Correct. He has to be that impact type of a player. He has to kind of dictate mm. what's going on in the game and then how he comes into play. And, and you know, a key part of what his influence was was the, the fact that Jordan Henderson came in and, and mm, yeah. he came in to be the controller. And, and because Hendo is that guy who's happy to sit and just wait and be patient, it just frees up the room for Grealish to do what he does. And I think I, the I other thing is it's a genuine team of it's like a team of it's it's an it's not being called a golden generation. It's a team. I mean I love Kieran Trippier working up early in the match. I, I, I love the, the back line and stones. I like I like the goalkeeper who you know can make a save if he's called on. Yeah. I like the hard work of midfield. He's got all that English stuff that we'll stick our chest out and run it in and tackle and all that and we'll put in a shift and all this sort of shit. But the actual outcome at the end I thought Raheem Sterling deserved his goal because I've just been loving the way he's been running it, guys, for the whole yeah. tournament. And so he should. I mean, that that's his that's his skill base. And I, I just love the way that you can bag Gareth Southgate all you want, but every single player knew their role. And when the substitutions came on, everyone switched roles really easily. Now, that, I just think that's an amazing coaching effort to be able to do that and, and for the they players well to take that on. I, I think so. I, I really do think so. Look, um, the other side I wanted to say is the crowd was so loud. Um, I, I, look, I don't think this is, needs to be a point, and it happens all over the world, so I'll just quickly glaze over this. I don't like the booing by any country of a national anthem. That was probably my only negative about the crowd. Um, they only the mentioned it because it's England, mate. No, they no, only I mentioned it because it was in England. It wouldn't, it wouldn't get a mention anywhere else in the world. I'm not talking about the mentions, mate. I'm talking for myself and having my stepson there. We, he was like, what are, what are they doing? I said, look, they're just booing. It's, it's, you know, I just don't like any country doing it. I'm not picking out England per se. But the amazing, yeah. that noise the crowd made, it sounded like a full stadium. It really did. It was, oh, I pumped up the volume because it was just so good in, you know, what's happened with COVID all around the world. To hear that noise and that passion was just absolutely outstanding. I think the Germans can cope with a bit of boo and they'll be fine, mate. Ah, mate, they, they, they're very good at coping with that. Uh, Belgium. Because they, apparently before the game, it was it's not even a rivalry, according to Diddy Harmon. Oh, my who, God. I kind of put my hand down and go, he played for... New, it was Newcastle that brought him to England. He mustn't have heard about it when he turned up. Well, OK, well, that's news to me. But uh, Belgium beating Portugal. Um, pretty dour game. But uh, is that the last? Is that the last we see of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo on the um, international stage, or do you think he will be at the World Cup? I think that he will be pushing himself to be at the next World Cup. And to be fair, I am actually expecting that after he does retire as a player, um, I'm somewhat expecting that he will move into a national team coaching job with Portugal. Oh wow! Mm. That okay. that's whether it's you know to start off with the Thierry Henry assistant coach role like he did at mm. Belgium, mm. or something. But he will be part of the Portuguese national team setup at some point. Um, I think that there's kind of no doubt about that. Well, well I think on that you... note, sorry, no, sorry, I don't want to cut on you, Paul. I think on that note, I I, I love that idea, um, Pete. 
because one of my highlights of today was to see an absolute um, god of football like Shevchenko. His heart and soul's mm. in that Ukraine team. And 100%. we've got – a lot of us have got no idea about the – you know, we talk about issues in Australia. I mean, come on. If, if you're thinking about what it's like to actually be at the helm of a team like Ukraine, which has been a political football in between Russia and the West for 100 years, yeah. um, he is doing an incredible job. And if he was playing anyone other than England the next game, I'd be wishing him all the best, but I can't. Obviously, everyone gets that. But I tip my hat to that guy, and I love the idea of Ronaldo going and coaching Portugal. Why not? Uh, who would you rather play for? Exactly right. Look, it's clear and obvious the fact that he lives and breeds um, Portuguese football, that this is where he breeds? wants to be. Pete, was that breeds or, or breeds? Bit of both. I, I think he's Bit done both. that too. Um, but Gives him look, a chance this... to pick a World Cup up, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, but this is exactly where he wants to be. We could see that from the last time that that Portugal were in a European Cup final and, Port- and Ronaldo had actually been injured on the sidelines and was coaching the team on the sidelines. Once they yes, went to the shootout as well, he was walking around to the players saying, hey, it doesn't matter if you miss, you've tried, you've put in a good effort, you've put in a good shift. There's a certain mindset that he shows. And I saw the exact same... With John's point there, Andrei Shevchenko um, with uh, with Ukraine. Him on the sidelines w- was magical just watching him because the he, he had a certain mindset where you could see his thought process. He, he was worried at times, but when he needed to lift and make tough choices, they were fantastic. His substitutes that he made were fantastic. And, and there's a certain thing that you see – you want to play for your idols and and yep. you want to play for the big players. And I guess that's always why, you know, Maradona, wherever he went, he always had coaching jobs. And that's why people always love to follow him. That's why we're going to see guys like, you know, Shevchenko, wherever he goes, there'll be people who want to follow him. There's a certain thing that I don't think we'll get the same case with other superstars like, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, if he ever went into coaching, or Leo Messi, I don't think that they would hold that same clout. No. Which is really weird to say because they're going to have different types of jobs in the future. Yep, absolutely. Well, we're going to uh, end off part A. Um, look, I, I do have to say uh, that I'm pretty happy that Belgium's through. It's on my granddad's side, so extremely happy <laughs> there. Um, look, let's go to the A-League quickly. Melbourne City... It, a controversial but cracking game. Melbourne City win their first A-League title against the best team in the history of the A-League, uh, Sydney FC. Um, did either of you guys watch that game at all? Uh, yeah, I, I did. And, you um, would be. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was obviously a really interesting um, style of final, you know. Uh, City came out with this entirely high press, high tempo zip that we kind of expect. The fact that yeah. these guys were on such a, a rush and it was obvious that, you know, Paddy Kisnobo had driven the, the historic aspect that let's be part of champions, let's be an invincible lineup and all this kind of stuff, let's be the first. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was obvious that fairy tale had been pumped into them. From a Sydney FC perspective, it was really interesting to see the fact that they determined in the pre-game that the way that they would try and win this game was to almost bore Melbourne City to death 
and to basically just nullify them yeah. by playing such incredibly boring football at such a slow tempo that it would just frustrate the heck out of them. And it was obvious that was not going to work. Where would you put it down? Where would you put that in the kind of pantheon of uh, A-League grand finals? <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought it was a, yeah, I thought it was a strange game. There's been some good ones. Yeah, there have definitely been some good one ones. I don't think it's going to be one of those fairy tale ones that we're going to be talking about ten years down the line and saying, "Hey, do you remember the twenty like the twenty twenty one final and the the city winning the first one?" It's not going to be a memorable one. You're going to pick up moments, and yeah, you're going to it, you're going to remember moments like you know Marco Tilio sliding in to collect the ball that was about to go out, and he wins possession of the ball and keeps on playing. You're yeah. going to remember a moment like Scott Jamison um, interacting with the referee and having a chat to him ahead of Luke Braddon getting sent off. You're going to remember key things, but not the whole game. For the Melbourne City fans who were made that choice of not following victory or switching from victory to Melbourne Heart to Melbourne City, they've done the hard yards because they're always going to be kicked around, right? Those supporters who get onto another team. So congratulations to them. It is a title. It's a well-deserved one. They were the best team of the year. Um, it's just a shame that the A-League Grand Final kind of gets lost at the moment. Well, it's kind of one of the done. things that I was actually going to say, Paul, is like, yeah, you know, with, with Melbourne City being, as we all know, affiliated to the team in England uh, with super deep pockets from the Middle East and, you know, the ones who World Cups and all that stuff and and uh, television, I, I just... I can't get it. The only highlight I will take is that, um, of course, it's Barbarossa scored early, and I still like him from when he played for the Raw. It feels like every single team in the A League has previous Raw grand final winners in them. It's just the weirdest thing ever. I'd much um, rather Melbourne Victory is playing that grand final against Sydney FC because to me it makes for the. I, I think that's more the soul of the comp, but I, I, I shouldn't be. Um, anything other than gracious towards Melbourne City. They won their A-League and, uh, you know, they can celebrate that because I certainly won't be. I'll be thinking about the Euro. <laughs> Guys, that's the end of part A. We're going to come back. We're going to have a quick look at some AFL. We're going to have a quick look at some Rugby League and anything else that you guys have uh, brought up yourselves. Thank you for doing uh, part A with us. Uh, breaking the show, just thought we'd tell you about a couple other initiatives we've got. Change Rooms for Change, which is a free service for clubs to, you know, highlight what they're doing in the community, how they're opening up the change rooms for those in need. Uh, also educational aspects there. And Three Mates Can, which is about getting other men to hold each other accountable. Most importantly, treat women as well as we can. This is The Love Sport Podcast. Welcome back to part B of the Love Sport podcast. We have uh, a motorbike in the background. We probably have birds at someone else's house. And we have Super Pete on his birthday and always co-host John as well. So thanks, boys. Second part. Going to start off with a keep, kick, cuddle. One for each of you. Um, so, John, here's one for you. You've probably already done this before. St. George, South Sydney, Manly. Keep, kick and cuddle. St. George, South Sydney and Manly. In, the, in rugby league, um, St. George, yes, South Sydney, Manly. Um, keep, uh, I'll keep South Sydney. They're the most successful club in rugby league. 
uh, it, despite the competition actually kicking them out, they're still there, they're still alive. Um, I'll take my hat off to them. Uh, I'll just have to stop you there. As Pete and I always say, there is no sporting event in the world, you, you know, in Australia you can go to and not see a South Sydney jersey. That is true. Random South squad turns up everywhere. Always. Yeah, good on them. Um, and it's a horrible jersey too, but like it works. Uh, to I'll keep St George. Yep. Um, you can't argue with eleven premierships in a row. I, well, you're going to cut all them because you've kept South Sydney, right? Yeah. You've oh, yeah. South okay. Sydney. Sorry, I'm, I do apologise um, because of their actual history of and and the great, you know, the players that played for them that um, yeah. were the ones that. I learned about as a kid and going, wow, that's a serious club. And I used to love listening to Reds Gaznier on the ABC when I was a kid. Yeah. That's really going back in time. And um, I don't want to kick Manly, but it's not that hard, oh, so they can go. Yeah, I want to kick I, I know they're a great club. They're a great club. But if it's out of those three, you've got to believe I'm going with Manly. I'm going to chuck uh, uh, Pete on his birthday, a really tough one, knowing it's not his um, main sport here. Keep, kick and cuddle. Tony Lockett, uh, Lance Franklin, and Gary Ablett Senior. Tony Lockett, Frank, Lance Franklin, <laughs> and Gary Ablett Senior. Me up with basically two people that I have some vague awareness of. One person I have no clue about, uh, and a scenario that I literally couldn't choose. So we need to, hey, uh, you, you, you mate, show up no, all your expertise. So we have no, to throw you this one. <laughs> no, look, I, no, I'm, I'm going to throw this back at you then, mate. So where are you heading with these three? Because okay, okay. you actually know who these three people are. Okay, and, and uh, John can do the same. I'm going to keep Tony Lockett because he wouldn't have got a game on based on his body mass, potentially. He might not have got picked up. He might have had to have gone into a mid-season draft, and he's the leading goal kicker of all time. Um, I'm going to kick uh, Gary Ablett Sr. because one of the greatest footballers I've ever seen, but one of the worst human beings I've known. And I'll cuddle Lance Franklin, and that's really hard to do. In fact, I'm going to switch that up. I'm going to go Ablett Senior. I'm going to cuddle him because he needs help. I'm going to kick Lance Franklin because I think uh, in a different generation, he wouldn't have kicked anywhere near as many goals, but maybe I'm that's wrong. Same order I'll go in. The exact same order I'll go in. I'll give, I'll give Pete a um, keep kick cuddle. Mm-hmm. Like um, Pepe um, from Real Madrid. Pepe the Frog, who apparently, according to this, is an internet meme consisting <laughs> of green anthropologist frog and the Pepe Italia restaurant down there in um, Leichhardt. Oh, okay. Um, Serving all kinds of uh, Mexican treats. Okay, so bit of a cuddle. We'll go straight towards um, Pepe, the footballer who is at Real Madrid. He, he, he does need a bit of love and affection, you know. Uh, he's one heck of a footballer, though. Um, I will be kicking and saying farewell to Pepe the Frog meme. Um, incredibly over that uh, and would be very happy if there was a fresh meme going around the grounds. Uh, and then keeping Pepe, a uh, restaurant down in uh, in Leichhardt, a, a brilliant place. We'll send people their way. Well, I, I, I do. I do hope they're listening, mate. If, I, if you're after some sponsorship, um, <laughs> I, look, I, I'd be more than happy to go down. I'll do the show. A shutdown. Yeah, I'll do the show from the venue, <laughs> having a meal. I'm more than happy to do that. I will sacrifice myself uh, for the sake of this program. 
uh, and in support for the restaurant. Didn't oh, Pepe wow. nearly kick it off the other night? He nearly kicked it off the other night, didn't he? It was close. It's it like, was close. Like, oh, that dude. Oh, look, you shouldn't you shouldn't pick on someone's appearance, but he's got a head like a busted ass. I, 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 he just annoys me. I, I sorry, guys. No matter how good a footballer he is, he just. <laughs> oh, like I never looked at what he looked like, um, but uh, boy, uh, he's a yeah. As you say, he's been he's done a lot more than I have in football, and he's now thirty eight. Wow! Can you believe wow. that? No, I actually can't. <laughs> From Brazil. Okay, guys, let's uh, get into a tiny bit of AFL here. I know it's not your number one thing, Pete, but you're the expert on the world game. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about the local game. Uh, Richmond, go up against St Kilda. Red hot favourites, kick the sixth lowest score in the club's history. And um, Dusty has more Norm Smith medals than Richmond kick goals. So that was a big, big upset there. And just showing a few more injuries, just showing how hard it is to keep at the top level of the game. And uh, Brisbane dismantling Geelong on, on, was it Thursday night? Yeah, it was. It, look, it was, uh, Brisbane looked good and Geelong looked really bad. It was one of those games. And uh, Brisbane have to be favourites uh, at this point in, in, from my, for how I feel. But COVID could change everything with all teams heading down to potentially a Melbourne hub in the next few, over the next few days. So who knows what's going to happen there? Uh, t- well, sorry, mate. Didn't mean to cut you off. Well, I'm just going to stick with the idea that I've said to you, like back at the start, like if the Lions are going to win, they have to actually, they've got to get over the hump this year. We've been knocking and knocking and knocking. You don't want to, you don't want to keep knocking on the door and eventually someone else comes and takes your spot delivering a pizza. I think we've got to actually, um, we've got to knock, kick the door in this year, and put the pizza on the table and say, and then eat it on behalf of the people in the house. That's what I want to see, and I like what we did the other night. It was good. Well, I. Just quickly touching the Tigers, every team around them lost after that. They had a big chance to knock Richmond out of the eight. Richmond's still there, not playing good football. We're going to be playing the Gold Coast, our second home away from home. Um, but that's going to be played at Marvel Stadium now, which Richmond supporters hate. Um, uh, uh, the, the big talking point for me this week, though, for teams that have got a really big support base, have been struggling to flatter uh, at all in the last few years. Carlton have now signed Cripps for six years, a, a guy who is a brilliant footballer who's been really injury prone. And if you get a chance or if you're interested, go and have a look at their salary cap over the next few years. They are absolutely hamstrung. They've Probably shows out. why they haven't won much. Well, why would they then sign a guy who is a very good footballer but injured for six years? I mean... Mm. You've just got to, as a supporter, you've got to be, I mean, I don't feel sorry for Carlton because it's one of our massive rivals. I actually hate them more than Collingwood. But I do feel sorry for those supporters who love their club. And I feel see, sorry for fans, mate. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, I feel sorry for the fans when they're really struggling and then they sign a guy. He's only 26, but he plays like he's probably 30, 31 because he's a battering ram. And then Although on that note, six years. On that note, and I'm, I, I've been on Pete's, um, thoughts on this is that I was listening to 606 this morning on BBC after uh, England went through and after the Ukraine game and the number of people contacting the BBC and moaning about the way that Gareth Southgate was running the team and had him set up and this, that and the other, even after they'd actually won and beat Germany still complaining, it's like sometimes I do think maybe the people who know 
something that we don't involved in these places. Uh, and, and I sometimes think you've got to let um, hindsight play out a bit too, that because just because a guy's injured doesn't mean he can't come back and have a massive second win. Yeah, and then you look absolutely. like a genius, don't you? Guys, exactly. I'm not, I'm not doubting that, but it, you know, having watched, you know how much AFL I watch, John, and having watched the style mm. that Patrick Cripps plays, he's a battering ram. And eventually those players, like Trent Cotchin now, you know, 30, his body's gone. And I, I, I fear the same, but even earlier for Patrick Cripps. That, it, it's a game that if you don't play AFL or you don't really follow it, you think, oh, yeah, it's not as tough as league or it's not as tough as union. It takes a tremendous toll on someone's body. So I just think six years was too much. That's where I'm coming from. A really hard contract to get out of as well. They can't like go, oh no, the last two years we got rid of him, we won't, we won't pay him. So um, I just think if you go and have a look at their, you know, they're going to have to then play a couple of their younger players, seven hundred fifty to eight hundred thousand in the next few years. They are in big trouble salary cap wise. But hey, that's what happened to Collingwood. They're going down the same path in my mind. Pay, pay, pay your four or five players massive money and have nothing left for your up and comers. But, oh, well, it is Carlton, so I probably shouldn't cry too much. Yeah. Every, everything's seasonal, mate. Like, I mean, you know, this time last year when we were sitting around talking about Wayne Bennett in Queensland, who would have thought we'd be sitting here going... <laughs> ...points and, and, and barely hassled their try line in two games. Yeah. You just yeah. don't know what's coming. Uh, agreed. But you do know that your body doesn't get... Oh, look, I know you're saying about the second wind, but the body doesn't generally become better than it was. Not for many players. There's a, there's a large history that says more players never reach that same height again after injuries. So Maybe, that's, maybe that's the case for you, your body, but my body is actually... It's my temple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you also have to think that there's probably in that contract a whole lot of little bonuses. So, for instance, if he makes a set number of game appearances or if he is able to score a set number of points or make a set number of tackles, whatever. Yep. So he, he'd probably be on a, a scaling contract which would progressively um, be tailing off towards the end of his contract and then be heavily bonus and incentive-based. So... In a way, a six-year contract seems incredibly outlandish, especially, as you say, for an injured footballer coming back. But there's probably some logic behind it, plus an incredibly happy agent who, who's just ticked that signing off. Well, you should, be, uh, you should be on a Carlton podcast and give that positivity out to their supporters, mate, because they need it. So, uh, As you well, know, I am one of the most positive people in the world, and I'm more than happy to appear on any opportunity. To be able to be, express his positivity. Bar mitzvahs, weddings, he's going to uh, restaurants and he can just give positivity <laughs> speeches on his birthday, Pete Nabokowski. But, <laughs> but what about, you know, um, Luke Shaw is an example of that this morning. Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. He, he his leg was completely smashed up. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, we can hear. Hello. Oh, yeah, right, so there, Luke mate? Shaw had, um, t- uh, yeah, had a terrible... Um, um, knee operation, and I think Louis Van Hull mm. keeps throwing, throwing him under the bus. And he had a an amazing game this morning. Uh, Redemption is <laughs> never that far away if you can play. No, I think the thing is though, the difference being with Luke Shaw is that he's in a besides internationals, he's not in a salary capped league, right? And the AFL is incredibly tight on their salary cap. So, you know, 
Carlton's going to get good draft picks and everything, and they're not going to be able to pay those players in a few years' time. So, look, it's interesting. As you said, you said it earlier, people know better than we do. So, yeah. One thing I will say, um, you wouldn't want to be playing Richmond in the first round of the finals when they've got Man United. Oh, I knew you were going to say something like that. Yeah, of course, because that's when that Tiger's going to... You already had them written off. You you were the one who wrote them off. It wasn't me. I am a glass... You said we're done. Yeah, I think we are done in winning the premiership. You still wouldn't want to play them. Okay, I'm going to go back to my original point, which is to say this. If we want to win, we've got to actually cut your head off. I think you may have already done that this season, mate. So... No, 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 uh, it hasn't. It won't happen until the finals. That's when it's going to happen. I don't want to okay. be a little bit. I don't want to be too. Um, I feel I'm being a bit hairy chested tonight. I don't want to be that person because oh, I, I, I'm I, quite I, relaxed I during it. during lockdown. I'm just sort of, I've you know half penned my first book and things like that. Like uh, you know, since we've been shut, you're locked down. Are you locked down in Sydney, um, Pete? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're in they got the major uh, lockdown, mate. I've I've been in lockdown since Monday last week, pretty much. Yeah. So oh, yeah, that's right. If, how's your book going? Oh, uh, look, I've got quite a good novel so far. It's kind of become a bit more of a choose your own adventure because, as you can probably guess, I don't like to dictate a response to too many people at once. I quite like to be able to open up the doors and say, "Look, would you like to go this way, or would you like to go this way?" So, those as you can probably have, tell, those rumors there's a, have there's gone a happy about ending. You, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and, and happy endings. Oh my God, where are we going with this? Guys, what other, <laughs> what, what other sport do you want to cover tonight? What is tickled your fancy? Uh, the only thing I'm thinking about at the moment, to be honest, man, is Euro. That's it. Well, I think we've done a really uh, big Euro-focused uh, podcast and it deserves to be at the moment. Um, we've got things like Wimbledon and so forth and Serena Williams or whatever which has just pulled out, people get their money back. So that's the exciting talk on the news today. I don't even know why a player pulling out of a tournament is even talked about gambling terms on TV. Can anyway. I give a shout out to our Scottish fans out there and say, <laughs> um, if you want to actually cheer for uh, a team that speaks the same language as you, except for accent, you can join us. Um Happy to have anyone join the England bus at the moment. It's a big bus and and it's uh, it's heading down Main Street. Well, as long as Jack Grealish um, puts in beautiful crosses on Harry Kane's head, and um, I'll I'll be on the England bandwagon until they uh, potentially have to face Belgium at some stage. That'd be Welsh good. fans. Can't do it, Australian mate. Can't fa- do it. Australian fans. Whoever wants to join, it, England's there for you. Pete, who's your actual national team apart from the Socceroos? Are you Polish? Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, um, Poland had a horrific start to the tournament and uh, catastrophically went downhill from there. So, you know, it it was quite the embarrassing performance. Did you grab a second team? The better. Did you grab a second team? Surely it couldn't be Germany. Uh, No, definitely not. (laughs) Fair Um, enough. No. Geopolitics plays a lot in these things, doesn't it? Well, if anyone follows Eurovision, you pretty much know exactly where the votes are heading towards or uh, who's tipping whom uh, for where will things end up. So I'll tell you what, it's kind of quite favourable that Denmark is uh, the the fairy tale story for the the finals. It, It seems like they would be everyone's dream 
to be able to qualify for a final, especially obviously for Christian Eriksen. Um, Italy look to be the the you know the favourite at the moment. They are playing the best football. England, you know, there's enough pressure on them, but uh, Ukraine could surprise a few people. So, and then. Well, if they're going to surprise a few people, it's going to be next week, isn't it? It's going to be on Friday. Yeah, exactly. Is it sad for Friday? Yeah, that's when the surprise is going to come. Exactly. So, you know, Spain and Switzerland are probably – you're probably going to be favouring Spain in that type of a quarterfinal. But Switzerland, the way that uh, Granit Xhaka is playing his football at the moment, uh, you know, anything is possible with Switzerland. And especially Who do you want to win? Who do I want to win? Yeah, who do you actually want to see win? Actually, I, I do want to see Italy win. Uh, they they do play the best football, and for me, I want Italy. Yeah, fair enough. Well, it's good to hear it. I, I'm pleased. Well, I don't want to see Italy win. I, I've got a big thing of honey there. I want to rub myself in and roll around the bullets nest before I see them win something else. So I'll just go well, with. Thank England. God this is not a video podcast. I think well, I used very that quickly metaphor upgrade. last week. I just, yeah, no. Nah. Um, yeah, come on. I just want to see him win it. Come on, for goodness sake. Let's win something. I, I, you know, I've had nothing from football over the years apart from uh, mostly bad times. And I really should be a raging alcoholic at the bar with a with a half-burnout stogie and another one of those. Little, you know when they slide you a little shot of bourbon? Oh, yeah. So you're going to have to go and go to work at some time, sport. And it's like, yeah, hey, that's what football does to me. Uh, this time it's different. I think it's it's coming home. It's coming to my place at Corumban. An outlandish <laughs> shout. Who's going to end up winning the Copa America? Because at the moment we're in the quarterfinal series. Games were on Saturday, Sunday. Who's going to end up winning this? Is this going to be Argentina's uh, tournament to win? Or will we see Brazil end up claiming a victor despite the fact that they struggled against the likes of Ecuador or, yeah, who's going to play things out here? Oh, look, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple upsets uh, in the quarters and we see Chile knock out Brazil. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, Do that would be nice. I, I, just not because I have any dislike uh, of Brazil, but you just I just want to see a couple other teams I think uh, uruguay Colombia is going to be an absolute ripper. I'm looking forward to that game on Sunday. Um, uh, Argentina-Ecuador. I don't know enough about Ecuador, Pete. Um, can you give us any insight there? Uh, look, Ecuador, uh, they're the team who had the one-all draw with uh, Brazil in the final game of the, of the group stages. Uh, Ecuador, they, they finished fourth on their group, to be fair. They're not not really going to be a super competitive side by any means. The fact that they haven't actually won a game in the Copa America so far, this tournament, um, it it kind of says a lot. So Brazil's pretty much expected to beat Ecuador and kind of progress their way through. But that said, look... Argentina's playing Ecuador, I think. Yeah, uh, Brazil, Chile, Peru, Paraguay. Yes, that's it. Sorry, so yeah, Ecuador against Argentina. Um, look, it's a tough one. Argentina, obviously, they, they've had quite a, a strong performance so far. They, they've had three wins, one draw. They've scored seven. They've conceded just two. 
they've won their last three games in a row. They're they're on a bit of a run, so it's going to be pretty tough to beat um, an Argentina side who are in this type of form. I know I'd this is to... selfish. I know this mm, is yeah, selfish, go. but I'd almost I'd almost wish that the Coppers had come after the Euros because the, the Copper Americas has been fantastic football. And, and it's been fun I'm to think, watch. And, and sometimes I'm forgetting it's even on, so I'll be watching it over the weekend. I've, I've been loving so much watching. I think we spoke about this last week. I can't remember, mm. but Luis Suarez and um, just him as an individual player that yeah. I should hate, given all the stuff about England, UK, and yeah. Premier yeah. League and all that. But I don't, uh, and Australia as well. Uh, the Socceroos. I don't hate Luis Suarez. I think he's one of the greatest football players I've ever seen. I'd love to see Uruguay progress. I can't say that they won't. Um, in South America, I used when I was a kid. Brazil was important to me. They're not anymore. I can't stand their attitude. I'd much rather see Argentina or Uruguay win it. And a quick uh, question without notice to both of you. Yep. Who has won the most Copa Americas? Oh, I would have no idea. I would have said Uruguay just because to be something different. Pete, it's a good question. I'm trying to rack my brain. I I think it is Uruguay who's the most successful team. It is Uruguay. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's Uruguay one and Argentina two. Um, And I think Uruguay outside of the, uh, I mean, I know it's big in Australia's psyche, but around the world, it's it's quite regularly forgotten what a great football nation they are and Mm. a country of 2.5 million people, which is barely a city in most places, uh, keeps producing absolute quality all the time. And I can't believe how old um, I was watching uh, last night uh, when I was trying to fall asleep so I could get up at 2 o'clock for our game. Um, what's his name? The long-haired dude who plays alongside Suarez, striker. Uh, Edison Cavani. Yeah, Cavani. I was looking at Cavani and I thought, my God, you look old, man. But geez, he might uh, look old. And he, he scored. He finished off, he finished <laughs> and he off scored. the premise. He scored. I thought he finished off the APL season really strong as well, which you wouldn't expect. Uh, but, you know, look. It looks like Golem from the Lord of Rings. He's got that look about him now. He looks so old. As he's transitioning from a hobbit or semi-hobbit to, uh, to yeah, to Schmeagel or whatever his name is. But, guys, yeah. if you're loving your footy, you've got the Euros this weekend. You've got your Copper Americas that are on at really reasonable times for us, like 7 o'clock in, in, and 10 o'clock in the morning. It's been a really good catch up with you guys today um hope to have pete on more regularly because not only do you know more football than i would ever know but your pronouncing uh, pronunciation <laughs> <can't say> <laughs> how you pronounce and announce things is sensational this has been the love sport podcast boys any final words stay amazing and oh thanks for joining us for the latest episode of the love sport podcast This was Paul, John and Pete. You can get me at Paul underscore football on Twitter. John at Lambic Peach and Pete at Pete Novikowski. You can also get the Love Sport podcast on Facebook and Twitter as well. Please pose your questions. We would love to hear from you. This is, was and always will be the Love Sport podcast.